Hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Ramble series. And today I wanted to talk about telling your story. Um, this is very timely for me. I had just finished a very heart-wrenching um, interview with the wonderful Felicia from the Here podcast. If you have not heard about the Here podcast, I had included it in my website. The Here podcast is a wonderful platform that Felicia uses to interview other survivors of sexual assault. And these very courageous people um, share their stories and they share their experiences. I think that a platform like that is so powerful in that it shows you the many different ways others have coped with their experiences. And um, it's comforting to find bits and pieces of experiences that ring true to your own. And so before we begin, I want to kind of go over what to expect from this episode. I won't be sharing my story in this episode, but I will be giving pointers in how to tell your story at whatever degree to whomever you decide to tell your story to. I'll be talking about the different types of sharing, um, taking yourself throughout the process, putting your story together, choosing whom to tell, and then I'll talk about how to support a survivor for those who are listening. Now, I'm going to be using The Courage to Heal by Ellen Bass and Laura Davies as kind of the shell for this episode, and I'll kind of mix in some experiences of my own. And while I understand that my experiences are um, probably not going to be the same as everyone else's, hopefully you can gain some salt from them. So there are different types of sharing. Um, what you tell to your therapist, what you tell to your support group, to your partner, your new lover, your friend, what you decide to say publicly is always going to be different. Um, your lens and your purpose with your message will evolve as you grow as a survivor. And that's something that I have come to realize over the years. Now being 28, maybe 14, 15, I guess 15 to 16 years after my own abuse. And um, in the beginning, um, it was uh, my my intentions and my my purpose in telling my story were different than now um when t when i come to others with my story when i come to my therapist with my story according to the book that i've mentioned um the section breaking the silence um some feelings that you may feel while when you tell your story are um T um, being terrified, feeling maybe crazy or confused if disclosure was met with respect and support. This was definitely true for me when I had launched my project onto my Facebook feed. I had definitely had spent maybe two or three weeks feeling terrified and anxious about 
how to launch and how to share my story at that level. Um, I was startled and surprised, pleasantly surprised, to find that many of my friends and colleagues were so supportive in listening or or reading my story. Um, I almost thought, I was so surprised that I almost thought that it wasn't real. And while these feelings are completely valid, um, just please try to recognize that it might be, and I truly believe that this is the case, that I, I think that our minds have this way of protecting us from the fear of disappointment. And so maybe we've believed this entire time, and I know this is true for me, I think it was easier for me to just give up on everyone. It was easier for me to believe that um, other people would not be supportive because it would not hurt as bad when when my story was received with disbelief or uh, lack of support. But believe me when I say, when you keep at the practice of liberating your story to the people, to the right people, it can bring so much freedom, just freedom in your own soul. And it's liberating beyond belief. It's It's been so empowering to be able to tell my story and to be able to tell it to myself multiple times. And while I believe that it is important to liberate your own story, I know that this can be extremely daunting. And before you can even begin to think about liberating your own story to someone else, I think it's just as important, if not more, to be able to tell your own story to yourself. And this was extremely difficult for, for me, especially um, starting out my project, because I, I was under the illusion that I was able to tell my story to anyone um, because I was, I was in a good place. I was in a good mental place. Um, but I hadn't realized that there were so many emotions that I haven't yet processed through um, just, just because of the nature of my own healing. Um, I have constantly been in survival mode growing up. And um, because of that, I've needed to put things under the rug for a very long time. And sharing my story involved a lot of the understanding of how to take care of myself throughout the process. And so before we even begin talking about how to tell your story, I think it's pertinent. I think it's important to talk about how to take care of yourself throughout this entire process. And I've put it down into maybe, let's see, four or five steps. The first one is finding a safe space and time. Now, I think that three to four or more hours or so would be great. Um, I don't think that you would be using all of that time actively in focusing on your story. Most of the time I, I, I is going to be spent taking care of yourself. Um, but I think that three to four hours would be a good, healthy amount of time. 
But of course, you know, work with your own schedule. Everyone has a different uh, schedule and tolerance for what they're able to do and what they're not able to do. And after you find a safe time and a safe space for you to go through this process, um, gather a list of support and emergency contacts, gather a journal and or some pens or art supplies. Then do a form of meditation and mindfulness that works for you. I recommend deep breathing. I recommend any type of guided meditations like Headspace or Calm. Those are two different types of apps that you can use to help you through guided meditations. Um, But really any type of meditation that works for you and meditation isn't just sitting down and doing nothing and trying to clear your mind. It's really letting your mind be still. And not getting caught up with every thought that goes through your head. And it's not trying to not think. (laughs) It's not that at all. Um, I thought that was what meditation is. But really meditation is noticing your thoughts, but not really hanging on to the thoughts that come by. And so sitting down, doing nothing, might not be something that is realistic for everyone. Med- some A form of meditation could be washing the dishes. It could be cleaning. It really could be going for a bike ride. It could be going for a walk. Do a type of meditation that works for you. And part of taking care of yourself throughout the process of um, putting your story together and telling your story is knowing how to know or learning when you need to stop and when to continue for next time. And so you might become extremely anxious. You might start to feel triggered or overwhelmed. Maybe your heart starts racing or you start dissociating or start to feel numb. That's when it's probably a good time to stop. And then distract yourself with a different type of activity and um, don't feel discouraged if you need to stop. This is extremely helpful, healthy to do. Um, I've, I've been a, I've been guilty for trying to push myself to the edge every single time when I wanted to achieve something. And um, it, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best for me mentally, emotionally, and what I've found that what I've found now that I am trying to do this um, for other people is that I have been feeling pressured to um, to heal faster, to get to the end point, end goal faster. Um, but once I realized that that was not realistic, um, slowing down and going at my own pace has actually helped me to thrive more in therapy and help me to thrive more in other places of my life. So I highly recommend to stop and to continue next time. Um, This is definitely, look at this as more of like a marathon than a sprint. And during the entire process, I highly recommend a therapist, um, either online counseling or therapy. Um, If it's difficult for you to find therapy wherever you are, I highly recommend going on to 
Rain's website. That's R-A-I-N-N. They will um, have many resources in helping you search for a therapist or a counselor um, that specializes or is specifically chosen to um, help cater survivors of sexual assault. So um, I will leave that link in the description of this episode, but I will also um, leave their resources on my website, www.relentlesspodcast.com. How to put your story together. So your story might have been kept inside you for so many years, and it might have been stored in pieces. Sometimes you might see them, sometimes they're just sounds, and sometimes they're harbored as very strong emotions. When you try to put your story together, you might run a blank mid-thought or find that your train of thought suddenly becomes jumbled, but it's okay. Be patient with yourself and work with it. It's not going to look like a time chart from A to Z, and you don't have to finish it at one time. But when you're ready to, stop and let yourself recover. A big part of putting your story together is being gentle with yourself. And our mind has, our mind is very clever in protecting itself from any type of harm. And so those protective mechanisms are a huge reason why you may not remember everything or a reason why you may remember some things but might not remember different uh, different dimensions of it. The next part that I'm going to talk about is choosing whom to tell and how. The reason for telling other people might um, be different for you depending on where you are at and depending on your specific situation and your environment. Regardless of whomever you decide to share your story with, it should ultimately be your choice. So you might choose to tell a counselor or a support group, which is really the best place to start. You may choose to tell your partner, your lover, or your close friends. Um, But know that it's not necessary to tell everyone you meet. And I think it's important to add that if you feel like you may not be ready to tell anyone for the time being, that's okay as well. And if you're not so sure... Um, whether or not to tell a specific person, you can ask yourself these six questions. So one, does this person care for and respect me? Two, does this person have my well-being in mind? Three, is this someone I've been able to share my feelings with before? Four, do I trust this person? Five, do I usually feel safe with this person? And six, Is this person reasonably comfortable talking about personal issues? And so after you've figured out whether or not um, this person is the right person to tell, find the right time. Tell whoever you want to tell, your friend, your lover, your partner, your cousin, that there's something personal and vulnerable that you want to share and ask if it's a good time to talk. And if it isn't, make another time. Rain actually has this awesome article um, in their website about telling loved ones about sexual assault. And they mention that 
it might be best to have the full attention of the person that you're disclosing to and also give them time to process what you've shared. If someone is about to go to sleep, if someone's about to leave the house or is intoxicated, it might be um, a good idea to wait for a better time to tell them. So when you finally found the right time and the right place to disclose your story, if if and when you do decide, the way that you decide to tell someone is completely up to you. You can do it in person. You can do it over the phone. It can be in a letter. Um, There are lots of positive and negative aspects to each of those different types of um, telling, but it all comes down to what's right for you. So if you're worried about being interrupted or being asked too many questions, writing a letter could be helpful. But no matter how you choose to tell someone, it's a great idea to set some ground rules first. You can say something like, I'd like to tell you about something that's hard for me to talk about, and it would mean a lot to me if you could just listen and not ask any questions. Um, Just kind of what you're looking for in that support. Maybe you want to hug or don't want to be touched, or maybe you want to keep it confidential and make sure you say so. And so while it's important to tell your story, it's even more important that you do it at your own pace with the people that you choose. And I want to emphasize that because telling your story should be done at your own discretion. It should not be forced out of you. It should not be pulled out of you. It should be done from a headspace where you are willing to and that you want to. Okay, so for those who don't know how to support a survivor when they share their story, The first things first, voicing your support speaks volumes, volumes. If you don't know what to say, you can just tell them that you don't know what to say. But being silent and not saying anything um, kind of leaves the survivor to come up with their own conclusions about what you think. And more than often, those conclusions are not positive ones. So if you are in complete shock and don't know what to say, you can just say that. You can say, I'm so sorry this has happened to you and I don't know what to say. Or if you are not sure how you can help but want to support them, you can say that too. Something like, I have no idea how I can help, but let me know if there's anything I can do to help and support you. Some other helpful ideas of what to say are, thank you for trusting me, or I can't imagine what that must have been like, or... I hope that telling your story can help you begin to heal. Receiving someone's story with an open heart without judgment speaks so many volumes. And it's normal to feel angry and it's normal to feel sad and to feel shocked. But sometimes expressing those feelings can make it difficult for a survivor to feel like they are responsible for your emotions. And I think it's important as a supporter to understand and know that um, some of the feelings that you may feel are, are will be very strong um, in response to uh, hearing about this injustice. And some of those feelings, um, and I'm just looking here at the same article that I mentioned from rain.org, um, includes a list of different feelings that you may feel. So you might be feeling anger, 
many people will um, feel anger toward the perpetrator and might even express that they want to seek revenge on the behalf of the survivor. Um, this is a natural way to feel, but it, it isn't always helpful. Sometimes um, sometimes a supporter might feel confusion. Um, a supporter will tell the survivor that they are uh, scared of saying the wrong thing, that they'll stall um, for time by asking lots of questions about the assault and what led up to it. Um, but often these questions will make it sound like they're blaming the survivor for what had happened um, or suggesting um, that they could have avoided the attack by doing something different. For the supporter's perspective, I think it's very important to avoid questions like that um, because it, they can more more than likely do more harm than good. Um, and that's that I'm saying that with, from personal experience. Having personally dealt with a lot of self-doubt um, in my own story and a lot of denial in my family and um, within, within um, just the close circle of adults that I knew, um, having to listen to those questions and not even knowing the answers myself at the time um, were very harmful for me and my healing journey. Um, but from the, for, from the survivor's perspective, um, in regard to the confusion that a supporter might feel, um, if you're, if you're, if you as the survivor are are getting a feel for um, that feeling of confusion from from your supporter, um, I think it's important to let them know, um, hey, uh, I just need your support right now. I know it's confusing for you, um, but uh, the best way to help me right now is just to listen and and, and to support me. And it's normal for a it's normal for a supporter to feel fear. Um, loved ones might feel f might feel fear for the su the survivor's safety and feel extremely protective. Um, but while it's okay to want to help, being overly protective over a survivor of sexual violence can actually take away feelings of control over their own decisions. Frustration is also a, a common um, feeling that supporters feel. Um, someone who cares about the, su the survivor might feel powerless to help, um, but healing is going to be different for every survivor, and it's important to know that it might even take um, it might even take long time. Um, I'm I'm 14, 15, 16 years after the fact, um, and I'm still I'm still going through a lot of processing for my. Uh, for my own healing journey, journey, and it's it's going to be the same for them, um, and it might be frustrating for you because you want to see them in a better place, but um, it's important to be patient with them um, because oftentimes it's it's even more frustrating for the survivor who's trying to who's trying to do their best to heal, um, and and time isn't always on their side, so it's it's important to um, support them and to not disclose any frustration on the survivor. It's already hard for them as it is. Um, guilt is a common feeling for a lot of supporters. Someone close to a survivor might feel guilty or responsible for what had happened to them, even if they are not responsible. 
Um, they might be trying to think of how they could have prevented that from happening. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that the only person responsible for the sex, for the sexual assault is the, is the perpetrator. Shock is also a common feeling for supporters. It's natural to feel shocked and disturbed that someone that they care about has experienced sexual violence. Um, but sometimes this shock can come off as, um, as a disbelief of the survivor's story. And that's definitely not, um, that's not a feeling that um, a supporter would want to communicate. Um, and it's important that um, a, a supporter communicates that, you know, if they do feel shocked, it's not because they don't believe the story. They just, um, th that maybe it's just, it, it just, it's, it's just so terrible that it's, it's difficult to believe, but, um, it's important to let the survivor know that you believe their story. Um, it, it's extremely important because a lot of the times a survivor, um, will have something happen to them and, um, even years after the fact, they will still struggle um, with feelings of shame and um, self-blame and um, disbelief in their own stories. Um, so it's important that, and then that's pretty much why a lot of a lot of the things that you you see in social media or anything that you see about sexual assault asserts that it's important to tell the survivor that you believe them um, because just that single sentence um, can can truly change the trajectory of um, a survivor's healing journey, of a survivor's healing process. When a survivor tells you their story, try your best to stay calm and try not to respond too impulsively. And if you don't have the best of words, just by being present and by receiving such a vulnerable story with no judgment and compassion, you are doing so much. You're even listening to this. So with that, I would like to reiterate the importance of a supporter um, to find professional help, especially if you are a significant other. Um, if you feel like there's almost nothing out there um, for supporters. Um, there, there is fortunately, um, but unfortunately, it it is a very small amount um, of literature that is out there for supporters. Um, but know that you're not alone. Um, there are other people who are supporters who seek um, help in these same venues that survivors seek, um, just so that they can find a place um, where they can uh, connect with other supporters as well. Um, so if you go onto my resources page on my website, um, some of these websites will even have um, places uh, for supporters. And I think I don't have I don't have a section just yet for supporters, but um, I think that's what I would like to do. I would like to create a section for supporters. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but know that you're not alone in your feelings and um, please don't try to do this alone. Um, of course, I would highly recommend not sharing um, the survivor story with um, with anyone that you know, um, but I would I would highly recommend uh, talking to a professional about it. Um, when a survivor does trust you um, with this piece of information, or pieces of information, um, it's a, it's important. Um, it's important that um, their their trust in you is honored. 
However, if a survivor is at risk for hurting themselves or other people, I think it's important to recognize that and also know the right resources to point them um, into the right direction. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. I do recognize that um, having to process all of these uh, alone is very difficult. And so um, having uh, a proper support group um, is very important in this sense. And now flipping things back over to um, the perspective of the survivor, um, sometimes you might not be able to... um, get the support that you need. But please remember that you're not alone. And if you need to speak with someone who is trained to help, um, definitely call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. Or you can chat online um, at online.rain.org. That's online.org. R-A-I-N-N dot org. Um, and they also have a Spanish version, um, R-A-I-N-N dot org slash E-S. If someone in your life is not supportive, that doesn't mean that others won't be. Um, but while you figure out to whom and whether you'll share your story again, um, Rain recommends that you be kind to yourself I recommend that you be kind to yourself and to take care of yourself and your needs as best as you can. Ask yourself um, what you're feeling and think about um, the different ways that that you can take care of uh, yourself, just like we've discussed earlier. And um, if you need even more help on uh, different self-care ideas, uh, Rain has a really good uh, resource for that as well. So I would highly suggest looking at their website. Their website is absolutely amazing. If you need support in developing a plan to disclose your experience of sexual violence to someone else, you can also call that National Sexual Assault Hotline, um, the 1-800-656-4673, or to even chat online um, on their website. They will help you figure out a plan to tell whomever it is that you are planning to tell. Um, so you are definitely not alone. Ooh, eh, this is uh, this is one of those tough ones. This is definitely one of those tough um, episodes to kind of talk about. Um, but we've kind of went over the different types of sharing about how to take yourself throughout that process. Um, while still taking good care of yourself, um, learning how to put your story together, choosing whom to tell, um, and uh, how to support a survivor from the perspective of a supporter. And then a little bit of um, how to cope uh, from the perspective of a survivor, how to cope with um, not receiving that support when you do decide to share your story or decide to disclose um, with someone. 
With that, I would like to include, um, if you don't already know, I timestamp all of these episodes on my website. That's www.relentlesspodcast.com. Uh, just the way it's normally spelled, www.relentlesspodcast.com. And um, there will be a place to comment. There will be a, a long list of resources. If you know of any resources um, that you would like to share, I would love to post them up um, onto my onto my website. Um, I love I love that space for just having to um, have a single location for all of um, the different resources. Um, I try to keep ads out um, and. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it takes a lot of time and um, it, it definitely takes funds, but um, it's, it's something that I hold near and dear to my heart. And I really, truly hope that it is useful um, for other survivors out there. Um, I know it was difficult for me to find resources uh, growing up as a survivor throughout high school and college. Um, so I, I highly recommend um, any and every invaluable resource out there um, that just has that that just shares some great books and um, um, social media platforms and um, websites that uh, have more than enough information on um, on this specific topic. If you're new to this, um, if you're new to this podcast, I I invite you to rate, comment, and subscribe. Um, thank you so much for those who have already done so, so much for um, everyone who has uh, taken the time to leave meaningful feedback. It means the world to me. Um, it's the only way that I know how to pivot or adjust some things. And um, today I actually decided to record um, with some different equipment. I'm not actually using my Tascam this time. Um, Jonathan and I uh, are actually in the middle of moving out of the state. So um, we've had a lot of things packed. And so earlier using the Tascam was a great solution. Um, but I'm finding that um, using an actual mic setup is uh, actually much <laughs> much helpful uh, for both myself and for Jonathan, who is actually now mixing and mastering uh, this entire production. So um, kudos to him. Thank you so much. And um, I hope you have a great day. Um, join in on the conversation at, on my Instagram at Relentless Joanna. Um, I am currently trying to fix the comment section in the website, but soon that will be up too. And um, until next time, I'll see you at the next episode. Thanks.